Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. This is the Ben Burnett Show, the only show in America that features a one-term has-been retired politician that nobody knows. Welcome into the Ben Burnett Show. I have had United States cabinet members, admirals, I've had congressmen, I've had United States senators, but I have never had somebody who is Atlanta's jeweler. And I like talking to all the people in public service, but sometimes if they're still in the game, they won't tell you what they, they won't actually tell you the truth. They, they hold back a little bit, for, and I don't blame them. I might, too. My guest today is Jaron Solomon from Solomon Brothers. Jaron, welcome in. Ben, thank you for having me, and uh, everyone's got to be number one in their field, so I'll take number one jeweler. <laughs> you guys have a synonymous brand in Atlanta. You say Solomon Brothers, and to me, I, re- I recognize that there's more than one jeweler in Atlanta. Is there? There, you. No one would know that <laughs> quite like you. I think your story and your family's story and how you have cultivated such an iconic class. Really, people, I'm sure people come here from all over the Southeast. You'll probably tell me all over the country or the world. But talk to me about what you guys do. I am second generation, so I'm just here not to screw it up. Uh, you know, my dad uh, deserves all the credit in the world. Uh, lost him uh, six years ago, um, but he really built an incredible brand that is the brand you know so well and so many around Atlanta. Uh, so coming out here to Alpharetta uh, was really easy with the brand that he built. So have to give him 100% credit, and I am just here to uh, tow it along and and make sure it's moving forward. And, and we're doing a good job of that. Uh, my mom, my uncle, my family, we're, we're really do you, headed forward. Do you guys have like family? Like family business is hard. <laughs> I don't actually know this. Like I would refuse to employ anybody in my family. For now, I might change my tune later. It's like, hey, would you want to inherit this? Or would, would you do a good job? But like I look at my kids and it's like, and I'm sure they looked at you one day when you were little and they're like, how in the hell are we going to give this to him? <laughs> Uh, and th- no, and it was a culture shock for my uncle, I think. And, and knowing you now, I totally would ask the same questions. <laughs> Talk about growing up in that business as a as a child and what your experiences were like. Because like, my dad worked in distribution centers and he was in the United States Marine Corps. That's not all that commonplace, but this is even less commonplace. What what are your, some of your earliest memories wandering around? And and talk about how Solomon Brothers came to be. Yeah, absolutely. So my dad from South Africa originally came over to the States here in 1978, landed in New York City, uh, never really saw a diamond in his life other than the engagement ring he bought my mom back in South Africa. No one can believe that we actually have no ties to the diamond world in South Africa. That's just a uh, ironic thing that is a part of his story. But he came to New York, needed a job, was on 47th Street, and somebody needed him to just count diamonds for two bucks an hour. They say the rest is history, but to get into it a little bit today, because it's a very cool American dream of a story. He worked his way up from counting little tiny diamonds that you see in the rings, all the way up to selling the big diamonds in the center of the ring. 
eventually traveling through Hartsfield so often that he said, you know what, I should just move to Atlanta and open up my own store in 1982. There we go. Tower Place, 17th floor, and it was the 25th floor when he first started in 1982, but we've been in that building for over 40 years now. I met Jaron years before I was a wildly famous radio host, and I sat on the city council in Alpharetta, and it's the one time that I ever remember this happening, is that you have to come forward, for those of you who don't know, if you're in some sort of like planning or zoning thing, and you say your name and your address— and Jaron walks up, and Jaron walks up and says, Jaron Solomon, Solomon Brothers, 17th floor, Tower Place, Buckhead. And all seven people on the council were like, set it back to him. Like, we knew. And none of us knew you. I don't know how you guys cultivated that as a part of your brand. I have to imagine that was not an accident. I looked at everybody up there with me, and I was like, that was really the first time I'd realized that you guys had invested in that. Yeah. And it's Solomon Brothers, 17th Floor Tower Place in Buckhead. That's right. Talk about the synergies and the strategy that you guys take. Talk about what you guys do, because I know you make stuff. You can you can call Jaron, and he can literally make you anything. I don't care if it's like yellow diamond halo earrings. <laughs> I don't care what it is. Like, he can literally make anything yeah no no is not in our vocabulary at Solomon Brothers you name it we'll do it we've done some very cool crazy stuff but to talk about the brand real quick uh, to answer your question on that really you know if my father were here he would tell you that not so different than you Ben in the radio world but uh, Neil Bortz on WSB radio back after 96 when the Olympics came through town and the city really started to explode it became a worldwide household name yes and you know the olympics whether they're bought or whether they're not <laughs> will do that for you yes it helped atlanta tremendously and that's really where we saw obviously population growth and reach and you know the radio did a lot for us with stake shapiro and sandra golden burt weiss but bortz was a, a different different level i mean well, that guy moved the needle <laughs> he, he sat in a class by him in the in that day in, in 1996 through probably the early 2000s, he could have run for governor and cleared a field. Yes. And it wasn't everybody agreed with him or disagreed with him, but he would have cleared the field. <laughs> a lot of people would call in and to Solomon Brothers and, and say to my dad, you know, I'm never shopping with you because I listen, you know, I listen to Neil Bortz and I can't stand him. And my dad would say, but you're listening. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like you don't have to listen to him, how but did, you are. How did you? How did your father carve out that relationship with him? How did that come to be? My dad was a guy who told it like it is. That's probably an understatement of the century with Neil Bortz, uh, if a guy tells it like it is. And I think they just hit it off from a relationship standpoint of no BS. And I think my dad really enjoyed the way he handled himself. And then when he said, hey, you are the only jeweler I will ever talk about along with five or six other brands that everybody knows and Benny's shoes. And the guy in Bortz committed to being so loyal. And my father was a very loyal person. And so he saw that in Bortz and gosh, they ran with it for 25 really, really good years. And and I am sure that when he talks about his house in Naples and his plane in Naples like you guys are a cornerstone of that guy's success I you can name other brands that's the one that me being 40 still remembers who backed him and I think that that is a synergistic 
relationship, if there ever was one, to your point, it's yeah. like, I'll never buy from you because you are with him and your family is Jewish. It's, yeah. it's, I don't want to profile you by the last name, <laughs> but it's a giveaway. When he moved here, like, where did you grow up and go to high school? So I grew up in Sandy Springs. Um, Mom still lives in our childhood home and went to Hebrew Academy for Jewish Day School and then went to the Weber School for high school. It was over in Dunwoody at the time. Now it's on the corner of Abernathy and Roswell, a beautiful campus over there. And yeah, it really formulated my life and how I do business and how I just kind of act in my daily tasks at the office and hiring and firing and all of that good stuff, it all comes from a, a good base that I was privileged to go to. So, And you were a dog. Diehard dog. Uh, met my wife at the University of Georgia, about five minutes on the campus from Savannah, Georgia. And uh, we are now raising our two kids to be dogs, which is really easy right now, Ben. Cause... Yeah, I was going to say, is that... <laughs> Like, let's, let's talk about, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Like you were there, they were pretty good. Yeah. They should have been better. Uh, I was there during Stafford and Oshawn time and, you know, under, under, underachieved. Uh, but Kirby Smart is somebody that I look at honestly. And from a business perspective, you know, that guy is running a business and he's doing an incredible job and he's an incredible leader. I've taken a lot from just watching him be really hard on guys uh, when things are going well and be really easy on guys when things are not going as well to get them back up and build them back up. When they say don't kick a man when he's down, he does such a great job uh, of getting these kids who have a lot going on in their lives ready to go on a Saturday, and he is a phenomenal leader, and I love watching it. They will have the opportunity to three-peat. I think that that is virtually impossible in today's it's, I think it's hard to do it every year. I think Nick Saban will be beside himself if they actually get to a play. Because that's something he's never done. That's right. And I don't know, like NIL has changed college athletics. And I don't think anybody believes that all the ways that his, in the transfer portal, I don't believe anybody looks at it and is like, this is definitely like the, we we got this 100% right. Oh, there's no, there's no way to get it 100% <laughs> right. It's every day. But, you know, a kid comes to you and says, hey, I'm getting $5,000 more from some other school. And it's like, come on now. Yeah. Do they have rings or not? And, the, and it's it's hard to build a relationship where when you had Stafford, like that guy, you knew in Athens he was there for three years. It's almost you see guys that are first round draft picks that transfer because they want to be able to do it. And it's almost harder to build a relationship with somebody over the long term, like Stetson Bennett's kind of the exception to the rule because nobody really wanted him, including right. honestly, probably including Georgia. And then well, he, he did and, leave, and then, and then he left, and then he came yeah. back. Uh, he he might he might push back on me, but I, you left for a reason. You know what I mean? It was like, well, I guess I'll go back yeah. after your JUCO, and like it seemed to have worked out well for him over time. But when you carve out, I, I'm very proud. I've never said this publicly. You guys have a relationship with Ella Dorsey now from Atlanta News First. And I, she saw something I had put on Instagram and asked, she said, do you know them? And I was like, yeah. And I said, would you like to meet Jared? And so the fact that I could get like an Atlanta influential, good looking weather girl, I was like, hey, Jared, do you want to talk to Ella? 
Yeah, not hard. Not hard to put jewelry on Ella. Um, she makes it very easy, and uh, I can basically pick out anything in the store, and it, yeah. it looks fantastic. Wait, I, I do. I spend I, when I t- I talk to her every couple of weeks, but she did. She legit asked, like, when she went to my website, like before she came on the show, she was like, "Tell me about them. They're the best. You can ask them for anything." <laughs> talk talk about. Expanding out of Buckhead, how do you guys make a decision on where you want to go? What what are the demographics that you look for? And I'll 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 tee you up a little bit. I almost think that you, your reputation got to be so exclusive, which I say that in a million good ways. Because look, I'm a I'm a very I like exclusivity. You do things for average people, and I think so many times they were like, "Well, I could never afford to to do that," and they're wrong. Hundred percent. Yeah. When, when you look at it expanding to, uh, into Alpharetta and then talk about the other places that you guys are going to go, yeah. how does that decision come about? What factors go into where you guys want to locate? Like you don't make decisions by just like sticking your finger in the air. No, definitely not. And, you know, to your first point, nothing drives us more crazy. You know, we are in the business of selling love, selling diamonds, and whether it's a half a carat diamond in your engagement ring and you have a $1,200 budget I will make that look prettier than anyone else can do for $1,200. And if you have a $120,000 budget, I've got that too. So we're in a very unique, fun situation where we really can service everybody and anybody. And so the decision to come out to Alpharetta was quite simple because we are looking at construction, we're looking at growth, we're looking at population And when you looked at what was in the pipeline for going north um, after Avalon had proved itself to be the best mixed-use development in in the entire state right now that everybody is looking at, and as you heard of Halcyon now, which has come to fruition, uh, and as you learn that things are going north into Dawsonville and houses in Dawsonville are selling for 300000 plus now, and you start looking at all of these factors and you say, okay, these are people with disposable income that can spend money on luxury items. And can we get that to be on jewelry? Because we all don't love commuting in this great city that we live in. Uh, Especially after 2020 when we found out we didn't have to. This was the greatest city ever. It was like, oh, I can get everywhere so easily in 15 minutes. But, you know, now it's I'm not going, you know, from north of Old Milton Parkway uh, down in the bucket anymore. And if I lived up here, I wouldn't want to do that either. So very easy decision for us to come and service the community out in Alpharetta, Milton, Cumming, Dawsonville. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll just keep expanding our reach north from our hub here off Old Milton Parkway. Where's next? Well, Ben, this will be the first uh, public announcing of it. So uh, I appreciate it. We are going to Peachtree City over in the Sharpsburg, Noonan, Peachtree City corridor and we're going to service, um, you know, that corridor up south, a little south of the airport. And uh, that was something that kind of did fall out of the sky a little bit. Uh, we were kind of searching for, for new opportunities. And my goodness, uh, if you're looking for a booming construction-driven population growth area, go ahead into Fayetteville, uh, Coweta County, and you will see incredible growth and some beautiful homes. We are very excited to be out in that area. And that area, I believe I'm actually getting there even before the greatness comes to the area. Right now, I expect it to be a very um, profitable store. Have Uh, you guys signed the lease? 
So we are actually, we've purchased the land and we're nice. actually ground building up, the building. Huh? Ground up. Uh, we stuck footers in the ground last week and uh, we will be coming to you in Petrie City uh, this Christmas for sure. You're going to have it done that fast? We are. Uh, the boys over at the Chattahoochee group, we'll give them a shout out. Cole Cooper and the That's boys. That's insane, they, uh, dude. It's it's unbelievable. You know, but you bureaucrats over there, it actually takes longer to uh, get the you know, uh, zoning and all the permits uh, put into place before it actually takes to build the thing. So that took plenty of time. I, I can imagine. <laughs> I really grew a relationship with Jaron probably 2020 COVID time, and everybody got locked down. And nobody could go on vacation. So it seemed like nobody did anything. What did COVID do for jewelers and diamonds? Yeah, so I mean— Because no, I know this story. <laughs> nobody else knows this story. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. I mean, you just mentioned it. No one could go anywhere. With the stock market doing what it was doing at the time and going nuts and everyone was making money and they didn't know what was going on, at the end of the day, March, you know, uh, that COVID started— and then we opened back up just after Mother's Day in May. We were just shaking. Me, my uncle, my mom, we were just like, is anyone going to come into the store? Is everyone too scared to come? We don't. We're not an online company. We want you to come and see us and we want to meet you and shake your hand, right? I mean, even that, well, you've got a mask on. How do you how do you deal with all of this? And we were very scared, but it turned out to be an absolute blessing. So it was really neat that we were able to open up safely uh, and we were able to get people in the door, and there was a huge demand for discretionary income to be spent. Huge demand. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, thankfully, just like my family sees it, diamonds hold their value and they can go up in value. And we saw that during COVID. So it was very neat to see people being able to spend their money uh, on things that will hold their value, that will go up in value. And we were able to fit that need. And yes, I can say for jewelers around the country, it was really an incredible time for all of us to um, sell to folks. We really didn't have too much of a logistical issue like you were mentioning earlier in the show. We can make anything. The reason that is is because we do it in-house. So I've got four master jewelers now, um, two at each location in Alpharetta and Buckhead. They Are can, you going to need two more? I'm going to need one more uh, <laughs> to start, and then uh, hopefully the good people of Petrie City will uh, make me need to and as we grow. But they can all do computer-generated drawings that goes into the wax mold that we can show the customer. And so anyone that came up with any thought, we could do it, and there was no logistical problems or supply chain, this or that. We did not have to deal with any of those issues, thank God. So it really was smooth sailing, and yes, to your point, it was incredible um, for a few years there, and we're still, fingers crossed, holding on uh, for dear life right now. It has to have pulled off of the highs of those days. No question about it. No question uh, it has pulled back. But, you know, it's still very interesting. People don't know where to put their money right now, and folks call me up and say, hey, where should I put it? And for the first time in my life, because I really started this business just over a decade ago, so... You know, I wasn't I wasn't in it in the 07, 08, 09. The recession. At the end of the day, I don't mind being in the diamond business, Ben, when, uh, when shit hits the fan. Excuse me. You know, holding diamonds is not the worst thing that you can do, and holding gold is not the worst thing you can do. So folks coming in and what we so specialize in, which is diamond jewelry, whether it be yellow diamonds, pink diamonds, blue diamonds, white diamonds, you know, that stuff holds. And, you know, God forbid you're ever in a pinch one day, you come back to me. I'll buy right back from you. So it's it's not a bad thing to spend your money on right For the now. same amount of money. That's right. 
With that to me, that is like the the selling feature. I want to ask you a question because you just hit on it. You piqued my interest. I heard you say pink diamonds. Now, I've heard all the rappers talk about yellow diamonds over time. What is a pink diamond? Yeah, so let's start with color diamonds in general, right? I am not invested in this at all (laughs) as a human being, but I am... I like to stay ahead of the rap game. Yeah. Well, this podcast needs to go viral once I tell you the prices of these, uh, these pink, diamonds. Pink diamonds. All right. Let's do it. Your rarest colored diamonds, right? Not gemstones, but diamonds is going to be red and blue. And they so they come in all different colors. Pink diamonds are becoming rarer and rarer because the Argyle mine in Australia produced the most pink diamonds by a long shot. And that deposit has actually dried up, and there's they've closed it out. There's no more diamonds coming out of the ground at the Argyle Mine in Australia. And so pink diamonds are becoming even more and more rare. If you have a – let's just start with a perfect pink diamond, flawless, fancy, intense pink. You could be talking about a million dollars per carat. So a one-carat diamond, one million dollars, Ben. Do you have any? I do. I do have um, some pink diamonds in the store. Now, we try and carry – there's different grades and variations, right? So there's fancy, yeah, intense. I want, I want a crappy pink. one. <laughs> well, not much of a thing as a crappy pink, but, uh, you know, there is for that couple hundred thousand dollars, uh, instead of going into that million, you can accomplish it. And we do some very cool stuff that will dress it up with, you know, 21 carat rose gold to make it more pink and this kind of stuff. But uh, – you know, we will be holding an event probably later this year, closer to Christmas, where you're going to see you'll be there for sure. And we will uh, have some reds and blues and pinks and some really amazing stuff. It really is not a bad investment by any stretch of the imagination. And sitting here today, summer of 2023, like you mentioned, if I had that much money, I would not be scared to put it into the pink diamond. Uh, my family already Talk about Al Rosa and De Beers, the entities that have the industry locked up and where they are based in or out of. Let's start with De Beers, um, who everybody knows pretty much. Um, you're the, lo- they're your Rolex. Well, you know, I wouldn't say that necessarily. Their, their, their reputation to the average person yes. is the Rolex. Yeah, their brand recognition in the marketplace is huge. Most people know who De Beers is. And most people would be correct in assuming that they are primarily, meaning over 90% based out of South Africa. Why South Africa? How did this happen? De Beers really just has an incredible knack for going after these rare mineral rights in South Africa. And they have found the different deposits going back hundreds of years and owning that land in very remote places. If I showed you, Ben, where a diamond mine is um, in Namibia, uh, in Botswana, right? I mean, these are not places you really are going to go to. Have you ever been to one? So I personally have not uh, been. My dad used to go quite a bit. Actually, when you asked me about some of the youngest memories I have, got some very cool pictures of him actually in like Botswana with a shovel? In Botswana with the shovel, you know, with they call it a sifting tray. Yeah. So he would go in and, and sift and just something very cool to do. Now the technology has become so incredible. So let's touch on the blood diamond thing for a quick second because I would imagine anyone listening to this would be like, hey. I feel like that's like the 10 years ago thing. Maybe maybe even 15. Well, and you're absolutely correct. You're even a couple decades ago in terms of the actual wars uh, and things happening. Um, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio really, like, put the screws to 
the industry. He sure did. And, and the movie itself, uh, having one of the characters named Solomon wasn't the coolest thing to do, but you know, and launching it at Christmas also just phenomenal for business, but it, you're right. And, but people still, we get questions in the store all the time, you know, is this a blood diamond? What, what is going on? And it's, uh, the technology has gotten so good. The pipes, how deep they go into the earth and what, you know, it's like a vacuum that they're sucking it up through and it's really incredible stuff. And so to, that De Beers has done a really nice job over the last 15 years of building up schools and running water and electricity. And there's they put some back in. They have, they have, and, and as they should. And right now, when you compare Botswana to South Africa, Cape Town, even they've got rolling blackouts and water shedding, and all. I mean, it's so it's just it's a tough place to be. It's not well run, obviously. Um, but it is one of the most beautiful countries in the whole world. And if you get a chance to travel there, I highly recommend it. Um, Cape town, my family's from, I think one of the most beautiful cities in the world. So we've unpacked the beers. So we've unpacked the beers. Continue. Let's go on to El Rosa, uh, which is going to be a very interesting topic, uh, considering the war in Ukraine right now. So Russia is also, I believe they produce over 50% of the diamonds coming out, so they've kind of overtaken De Beers. And people don't know that. People have never heard of who El Rosa is. This will be the first time they're hearing that name, more than likely. Talk about nice diamonds. A Russian stone, because of the climate, it is a whiter, crisper-looking stone. It's really phenomenal. Now, it comes with more inclusions versus, you know, the mines in Africa might come with less inclusions, but a little more on the yellow side. And they all produce, don't get me wrong, they don't produce these exclusively, but because of the climates over there, they really come out with some gorgeous gemstones and some of the most biggest that you see at Sotheby's and, and things of that nature have come out of an Alrosa mind. And it really is a, a hidden gem, so to speak, in a, of a company and they do business very differently over there uh, than they do it in Africa. In Africa, it's all done on a auction. We call it a tender. The auction site, so you know you can go in, Ben. I mean, we can go over to Africa, and we can basically bid on rough diamonds, uh, and whoever bids the highest wins. Do you guys like take rough diamonds at Solomon Brothers, and then like, oh yeah, m- blow torch them or whatever? <laughs> I don't. I, I have no idea. But it, that that was like. I was like, I can ask him a hundred questions he's never been asked. You know, so we do. We actually have a factory over in Tel Aviv in Israel um, with a partner over there that uh, my father has been doing, did business with his father since the early 80s. And now I'm doing business with his son. It's uh, it's really fantastic to see what they're doing over there. And Israel has lost pretty much the entire cutting industry. It used to contain 98%. Uh, of cutting all diamonds, and they've lost that to India uh, in a pretty big way. The Indian government came in and basically said, we want the cutting industry, and we're willing to put a bunch of money behind it. Yeah, and they're a huge – they're one of the world's largest economies. Yes. And they have a billion people. And they have a billion people. (laughs) And so, (laughs) yes, they they have the capacity and they have the cheap labor. And people don't talk about this a lot, though, but the nicest stones, that million dollars a carat – that stone's not being touched by um, the Indians over there and that government and that cutting. That's going to Tel Aviv. That's going to Israel. And that stone is being cut by the best cutters in the world. Uh, we're still thankful that you know our cutter and his father before him, and it is one of those types of industries. So really neat. So when we go to or when we did go to Russia uh, prior to the war in Ukraine, 
It's a current event. You can't get around it. They only have diamonds in so many places. That's right. And they are culturally ingrained to every woman on the face of the earth by the time they're two. <laughs> and I don't know why. I'm, because I know, of me, Ben. But I know I'm right because of Jared. Because and of his, this platform. And his radio commercials. <laughs> As you have seen like geopolitical things move and shift, how does that affect the trade and transfer into your stores? What are the decisions that you guys make? Like to me, it's very interesting because I said I said it. Two things are at work. Every woman who is at least two years old loves diamonds. And there is a huge current event in the Eastern Hemisphere where I know that that has presented some challenges. And like there are certain countries that literally cut off essentially all diplomatic transfer and trade relationships with Russia. And the United States is not one of them. Whether you believe that or not, you can watch all the TV you want. I'm right. How have they navigated how they put diamonds into the marketplace with the shroud of you're not buying something that props up a war. Yeah. Basically, simple and easy answer because we just touched on it. India is the largest manufacturers of diamonds now. So that's the most capitalistic country in the entire world. Yeah. And they are they are capitalizing on exactly that. Um, So when this war started, they basically said, hey, we'll take oil from anybody. We'll take diamonds from anybody. They have a way of getting all the rough from Russia. It's quite seamless. Most of it was going there anyway, uh, being such a big part of the industry. For us being relatively, not relatively, we are a very small fish in the pond on the wholesale side of the business, which I can talk about as well, yeah. but that because this is where we really make our money. The reason why we're so competitive in Atlanta is because, and no disrespect to the other retailers, but they are true retailers and we are true wholesalers with a retail company. Yeah, with a storefront. Exactly. And we sell to ourselves, right? So that we, But we make our money on the front end, meaning the rough diamond. So if we can buy the rough diamond right and we can cut it into a polished stone, and it gets one color higher than it maybe would have gotten when we saw it as a rough piece, or it gets one clarity better. That is an extra 10 and 15% that does not get passed on to the consumer. And in fact, we bring it into Atlanta in the Southeast area and say, okay, well, instead of jeweler X selling it for $10,000, we can sell it for $8,000, but we just bought it cheaper it's no different than real estate, really, yeah. because if you listen to people who really do a great job buying real estate, they will tell you 100% of the profit that you are ever going to make is done at the buy. Yes. And so when you said that, I was like, well, that makes sense in a different way, but it is buying property. It's just not something, you know, I'm kind of one of these guys when you hear people talking about buying gold bars on the radio, I'm <laughs> like, I don't know. But I mean, I've been in your vault. It's a, it's a it, there, there's no there's no secret you run a successful business. So you're certainly not wrong. It's just the unfamiliarity with the average person. Yeah. And we're very lucky, Ben, that basically we have the ability to go out there and source the rough and do this. This is a very strange concept for probably most people listening for all the retailers here in the Atlanta and the surrounding area. It's just not what they do. It's because... We started as a wholesale business, our wholesale business called ISL, uh, which is Ivan Solomon Limited, my father's name. This is this was his bread and butter. And then he said, you know what? I feel like I can service the Atlantic community. So that's how ISL turned into 
Solomon Brothers Jewelers. They're two separate companies that run right parallel to one another. We let ISL work everything its way into Solomon Brothers, not the other way around. And most other people are working as the Solomon Brothers or whatever their retail name is. And then they're coming to the ISL side of things. So we're very lucky. I am extremely fortunate, Ben, when I tell you, because I, I can't even get into the relationships that have to be built over this many years in order to be in the rough diamond business. It is a very old school business. It is a very handshake business. When I tell you there's some different documentaries that have come out on Netflix and Amazon and whatnot uh, that I've heard about. Uh, so maybe they tell this story, but you know, when we do $5,000 deal or a $5 million deal, it is a handshake. Say the word mazal, which is, it's a deal. That is done whether you're Jewish, not Jewish, Indian, American. We all say it, and when you say that, it's finished. Your word is your bond. That's it. And if you don't pay up in the however many days they give you, it could be that day, it could be 30 days, you know, terms like anything else. Net, net three. That's right. <laughs> One of the things I want to give you credit for, and if you're listening, like if you give Jaron lead time, if you've got a crazy-ass request and you give him lead time, he has the ability to build it into other subsequent transactions that will come down the road. That's and you can give him nine months and you say, I really want this. Your question back is like, well, how much time do you have? And yeah. it's like, I don't know, six months is like, all right, I can make it work. If you were telling me I need this like next Thursday, the answer is probably not. That is something that I would encourage you because it allows him to go into his wholesale esque deals, knowing that he has some of the inventory already, it's not going to sit on the shelf. So there's more than one way to buy it than looking at it in a store. And you guys are super, and look, you got to be like me. You got to be, you got to be just, you know, wearing the Rolex, longtime friend of the program. You can't just stroll in, but I'm telling you, he can make some crazy shit work. I've literally lived it. Like I said, Ben, no, no is not in our vocabulary. And, uh, Buying power is is a real thing. And once again, very, very lucky to have the type of buying power that we do so that when I get a very cool request, you know, when that's on the table and I'm buying a million dollars of something else, I can quite easily say, hey, I need those, throw those into this deal as well. It really becomes a very easy thing to do for me. And so, yes, any crazy request, that's obviously my favorite and buying in packages, buying in bulk is really, uh, again, because of the wholesale business and because we move so much inventory and we're in the volume game, we can make some pretty cool things happen. Uh, the last thing I want to get to is like there are lab grown. There's a lab grown conversation uh -oh. that I've heard in the last couple of years. Yeah, fair. Fair. How has that impacted what you guys do? Where do you see that in, in the industry or do you think it's going to be just a new segment of the industry moving forward? And then, you know what, I'm going to do two more. We're going to get into watches. Lab-grown diamonds, the buzzword of the last two, maybe even three years now, you know, with, with COVID, it's kind of like just go back three years uh, and then start from there. Lab-grown diamonds are very interesting. I want to be clear on this podcast, as I always have been, they are real diamonds in the sense that they have the same chemical makeup as a natural diamond. They have figured out, okay, what happens underneath the earth's surface? How does it get to the surface? They have figured out how to do that in a laboratory. So I want to be clear on that because everything else I might say might sound a little more negative, 
But to me, it's only the negative that, and we talked about this earlier in the show, there is a value associated with diamonds, and there is not going to be a value associated with lab-grown diamonds. And so that's going to be the major difference in that you're not going to purchase a lab-grown diamond because you say, oh, wow, diamonds hold their value. Diamonds are forever. That emotional and that financial commitment is not how that's going to work. The lab-grown diamonds will always be a segment. I'm not going to be someone that sits here and says, oh, it's going to phase its way out. I don't believe that because it is a beautiful product. And plenty of middle-class women don't care. They just they want they want you to think that they're in the halves, but but I know you're not. Well, but you know, Ben, you you do bring up a good point that there is something about a diamond that is rare because it actually is. I just talked about the Argyle mine in Australia literally being done growing diamonds out of that ground that there's no more diamonds that's going to reach the earth from the Argyle mine. So the rarity aspect is very true. A lot of people like to downplay it that we can just go mine for as many diamonds as we possibly want and De Beers is controlling it. That's actually not true. And so I think because lab growns you can produce as many as you want, however often you want, it's going to lose its lore. Right now it kind of seems not rare, but it seems so new. Um, and eventually it's going to become like any other flat screen TV that you can now go buy a 65 inch at Costco for, for 300, 300 bucks. For $300. You know? So it's really that type of product, but it is, it's a beautiful product it, for the right people and for the right things. I don't have any, I don't have any issues with it, period. We do sell it over at Solomon Brothers and we have figured out our way into the manufacturing because we like to stay current events on that. But how do we get you guys? I'll preface this. You, you, you sell Rolexes. How do I get you guys on the uh, Rolex? How do you become the distributor in Atlanta? Yeah, so we... Because I need this to happen. <laughs> I am tired of my name being on the list for the stainless, white-faced Daytona, which now retails for... 15.5. 15.5. So it's it's gone up from 12.4 in That's the right. last couple of years. Yeah. And you could, if I had that watch on me today... I could sell it to anybody for $35,000. That's right. With the tags. But I'm tired of being on this list. Yeah. And I need to get off this list, and I don't know how. I need somebody that feels loyal to me to be on this list. How protective are they of the brand, and what has happened? Like, why can't you find any now? So Rolex, uh, we are not an authorized dealer, so I do want to be clear on that. Uh, we have tons of Rolexes in the shop. Uh, that we are selling, some brand new, some are pre-owned. And we really wanted to just give our clients a Rolex to buy because as you just mentioned, and we'll there are they, about, they, if you don't if you see one, buy it. Yeah, they're just they're not out there um, and you can't get it. So we are just here trying to service our client. We're really not trying to make money off of our Rolex um, inventory. It's purely for our clients so that who have been so loyal to us and so good to us. Well, I need this. <laughs> so this is not. This is no longer a want. This is a growing frustration. <laughs> and you have one. I've been lucky enough to procure one um, for you, myself because you called me and told me. You know, I I do enjoy it. And Ben, maybe you can borrow it sometime. But uh, no, 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 no. I will not. I will have one. You will, and we're going to get you one. And so, it, but Rolex has done, in my opinion, a very smart thing. When the iWatch came out, um, if you remember, I mean, all of a sudden. A ton of watch brands, tons of watch brands that I used to sell a lot of just went away. Raymond Weil, Eve Bell, it 
dug into Tag Heuer, um, you know, dug into Omega. It's it's dug into all of these brands that you can produce. buy a four hundred dollar tracking device. That's Congratulations! Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that does tell perfect time, and so that's you know kind of where the world went to. And so what Rolex realized what they needed to do was they needed to become Patek Philippe. They needed to become Vacheron. They needed to become Audemars Piguet, you know. And so why is Patek and AP and Vacheron, why are they like that? What do I mean by that? They don't produce watches. And at the end of the day, if you don't produce a lot of supply, you will increase demand. It's not rocket science. That is what Rolex has done. They have closed down so many jewelers that have had the line forever in smaller towns, in your Savannas, in your Montgomery's, in your Valdostas. They have closed down those authorized dealers in the town. And so all of a sudden, you shrink from a thousand watches down to zero in a certain marketplace. And so, and they all flock to Atlanta and they all try to go to mayors and they try to say, hey, can I get this watch? And, and the answer is always no, because no, they don't have any. That's right. And so, you know what? And a lot of times they'll tell you, hey, spend money with me, spend on jewelry with me, and I'll I'll get you the stainless Daytona. Well, for how much money you're going to have to spend with them, come to Solomon Brothers and, you know, I will just take $15,000 off that $100,000 piece that they're selling you and I'll I'll take care of the watch for you. You know, so we saw this kind of angle that we could take of seriously somebody coming in and buying a tennis bracelet or diamond studs from us and saying, hey, I want a black and blue GMT. And we'll say, okay, no problem. I'll get that for you. And I can even sell it to you for retail because you're buying the jewelry from me because that's what these other jewelers are doing anyway. And they're saying, hey, until you buy X amount of dollars of jewelry from me, we're not going to sell you the watch. And so you can be on that list, Ben, as long as you want. But I'm not coming you know. off the list. I, there has got to be another way. Yeah, we're going to find it for you. I, it might take another eight years. You know, the sad thing is, is and I, this is, I was at a conference in Las Vegas in the Wynn Hotel. If it's not the largest Rolex distributor in the world, I think it is. I believe it is. It, if, you, if you're going to Vegas, and I don't care what you're going to Vegas to do, the most fun thing you can do in the entire city of Las Vegas is go to the Wynn, go in the Rolex distributor, because it's huge. And it is, I could spend three hours in there just looking. And I don't know anything about watches. I, I'm just fascinated by it. Yeah. So that's for free. If you're a part of the Las Vegas tourism board, call me, take take sponsorship. <laughs> and if you're over there, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out all the angles that I can. I was like, look, I'll do a trade deal with you. And they, and they wouldn't because they have like Ty, Tiger Woods and Tom Brady. And it's like, how do I get there? I'm I'm gonna You're find close. I'm gonna find it. You're interviewing Jaron Solomon. Yeah, That's, we you know. <laughs> are going to get there, Jaron. Well, hey man, anything you uh, you want to leave us with today? No, really appreciate you having me on, and uh, really happy to be sitting out here in Alpharetta with you. Um, just so thrilled to have our shop out here, our shop in Buckhead. Just really enjoy being a staple here in Atlanta. I'm Atlanta, born and raised, and uh, you know love the city, love the state. Are you moving to Peachtree City? I will not be moving to Peachtree City, but if anyone has a helicopter I can take between the hours of 2 and 5 to get to that store, I could certainly uh, chop over there. It, take, it takes – that people don't realize, like, that's a haul. It, there's just no good way of getting there, which is why we're going out there because there's no way of getting to me either. So it's a two-way street for sure, and uh, 7585, God bless you uh, if you drive it every single day and you're listening to this uh, because – it is just congested. And talk about who who do you have back in the brand Solomon Brothers right now? 
You know, right now we're just trying to affiliate ourselves with some really good brands um, and go more on the influencer side, like you mentioned. But, you know, becoming the jeweler for the Atlanta Braves this year has been a huge thing for us. Uh, we're just very excited to, you know, put our name with the Braves. You know, it's funny. Uh, all good things come out of golf in my world. And so I was on a golf trip and randomly sales guy for the Atlanta Braves who's been there forever, uh, Chad Clark, a uh, really nice guy. And he let me beat him in golf probably on purpose. I don't know. So he could sign this deal. But uh, that's how actually how this all happened. We went away on a golf trip together through a mutual friend. And uh, it's amazing how things come into play. But We've been pretty thrilled to associate Solomon Brothers and the Atlanta Braves together. And so we're trying to become more in the state, uh, in the state grassroots as well. Because as you know, there, there's no one really out there like a Bortz anymore, um, you know, that's really moving the needle. We still are on with Burt Weiss and uh, Sandra and Steak have a show over on 99 The Game now. And I know Brian Finneran um, and Ben Ingram, the voice of the Braves, uh, you know, is doing some ads for us on 680. But at the end of the day, in this new world, you know, we're just trying to put out some really good content on social media. Uh, you can check us out at Solomon Brothers on Instagram. Your Instagram's phenomenal. I'm very happy with it. And, and, uh, and you I'm do excited it in, about it. And you do it in house. We do. You have some girl who's like, when she's not selling diamonds, like makes your Instagram <laughs> ads. I'm like, damn, who is this? Yeah, I'm very happy with it. Uh, some good educational stuff uh, coming out on the Instagram. Uh, you know, relevant information that people want to hear about. If anyone wants to hear about anything, please direct message us on Instagram. Uh, we would love to talk about it, just like this podcast. I love talking about diamonds, jewelry, and the industry as a whole. I think a lot of people have questions about the industry. I hope this has helped a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be super fun, man. When yeah. we get the chance... To I'll get you the I'll get you the MP3 file. I'm interested to see what she can do with chopping it up and putting it out there. Yeah. And Ella, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, Ella, you're welcome. <laughs> this, this, this has been another episode of the Ben Burnett Show. Have a great day, everybody. In today's fast-paced world, your business deserves banking solutions that are as dynamic and cost-effective as you are. Solutions like free business checking from LGE Community Credit Union, free online and mobile banking, no minimum balance required, plus no maintenance fees and dividends on your balance. At LGE, we're a smarter way to bank. See what's possible for your business at lgeccu.org. No monthly maintenance fees. Other service fees such as NSF, overdraft, wire, and stop payment fees still apply. Not all businesses will qualify. Membership eligibility and base savings account that keeps $5 minimum balance required. Support for Extra 1063 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hi, I'm Mark Beckham with Atlanta Ramjack. We specialize in only foundation repair. What is foundation repair? Foundations sink or settle. These issues need to be addressed. It only becomes more costly the longer you put it off. What is the biggest cause of foundation problem? Either poor construction, inferior site preparation, or weather. Drought causes cracks in your foundations. If you see any signs of foundation issues, please contact us at atlantaramjack.com.